What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And I do not remember what it is you said we were talking about today, so I don't have much more of an introduction than that. I thought that today would be a really fun time to talk about spell design. And oh, okay, how yes. we come up with spells, how we formulate them, what that really looks like for us. That's right. That's right. So um, I'm going to start out by saying that on the first, right, I had mentioned it in the last podcast, it's something that had mm-hmm. already been done, but now I actually did it. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And it was about spell design. People had lots of questions on it. And I even told them, because um, they keep doing these lives in the WDA, and, you know, they're free. You just... You're in the WDA. If you're a member of the WDA, you can hop on all these lives and people are constantly talking about stuff. And I said that I would do one on Google Meet because it's really hard to have to do a spell with people if you can't see them. I have no idea what they have and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So at some point, I'm going to be crafting a spell with whoever jumps on that Google Meet and I will announce it here before it happens so that if people want to jump on, we can do that. That sounds super exciting. Oh, I am. I'm really psyched, you know, and also it'll be interesting to see what people, how far people want to go. In other words, with um, materials, because I don't know what people have, what they have access to. So it'll be interesting just to see what they say. They're like, oh, yeah, I can get access to all of that stuff. And I'm like, all right, then sky's the limit. Or it's got to be really limited to whatever I have in my kitchen. And then, okay, let's see what we can put together. Yeah. I made for us today a list of sort of spell design questions that I I think both of us will have maybe some different answers to, so we can kind of discuss our perspectives. But just kind of like to ease ourselves into the topic, um, what is the first spell that you remember casting? Oh my god. (laughs) Well, I guess we'd have to define spell. I mean, the first thing I ever tried to do, that's not a spell, I was going to say, is to leave my body, to astral project. That's the first thing. That's one of the first things that my mom tried to teach me, like this control of in my body, out my body, in my body, out my body kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I would consider that a spell, but like stuff like that, I just remember doing at a really young age. Um, I guess as a, you know, cast a circle you know, let me do a Mm -hmm. spell spell, it would probably be a protection spell. Okay. What, how do you define spell? You Um, opened the door to that one. Wait, but I thought that you were going to be answering these as well. It's just me. I I am, but now I'm nosy. Okay, so (laughs) what do I define as spell? See, I guess when I answered that, Um, And I said, well, my mom, I don't know if you consider that a spell, because I feel that I'm answering for what the community would consider a spell. Mm -hmm. I consider a spell anytime you intentionally try to do something. I was going to say intentionally try to do something with intent. But (laughs) when you intentionally mean to manifest something. Okay. So for me, if I wanted to... Um, give somebody Reiki energy, if I want to do a healing thing, right? And I can do healing a bunch of different ways. If I did it through Reiki energy, I may ground and center myself. I may make sure that I feel that I'm in a secure, quiet, not just physically quiet, but in a spiritually, mental, good place and do that healing energy. I may not have anything more than my mind, my hands and a poppet. 
sometimes I may not even have access to a poppet, right? Maybe I'll have a candle. Maybe I won't have anything. And I have to just meditate and try to send that energy out depending on where I am. That to me is still a spell. But I feel that for a lot of people, a spell is, what did I write? What did I, and I think that's a good thing to do is to write, because I know I told people that in the class, um, but for people it's, do I have my words? Do I have my stuff? Mm-hmm. And then here I go, cast my circle and do all that, which I think is important. And I told people when you're starting out to have that sacred space, to have that security of your circle. So I think it's good to do, but I think that after a while, you don't necessarily need that. So for me, a spell is anytime I am intenting, I have intent to do something, to manifest something, and I do it, whether it's just my mind or whether I use things. I agree with that completely. I think um, I think the way that I use the word spell is also kind of different than like the traditional way because I just kind of treat a spell as anytime I'm doing magic. Yeah. So are there like nuanced words for certain types of things that I'm going to do? Yeah, like a, a charm is a type of spell. A ritual for me is a type of spell. But they're all, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do magic in every case and therefore they are all spells. I feel we have like spells with a lowercase s and spells with an uppercase s. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, the first spell that I remember in my definition of the spell, I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, I I wrote this whole like very intense ritual um, for me and my friends to study for like our AP exams. And I like put candles in corners and like called on Athena. It was like a whole, a whole crazy thing. Um, I got a five on my bio AP exam, so I feel like it worked. <laughs> But I don't, I don't think I even really remember the first time I did like a traditional spell. I don't know that I've ever done a spell that is 100% like, you know, you write the words, you cast the circle. Like, I don't think I've ever done those steps. Even if I like incorporate oh. a little bit of it, I've never done it all together. Oh, I have. It's wonderful. It, it really is wonderful to, um, I feel like those spells sometimes can be stronger, which is why I think that I think about what would be the best way to do this. I'll give you an example mm-hmm. of a lowercase s spell. So whenever I go to the doctor, if I'm not feeling well, you know, could I do a spell at home before I go to the doctor? Yeah, but I prefer to focus once I get there in the waiting room as I'm being brought in, as I'm being weighed or had my blood pressure taken or whatever, to clear out, and it's almost like a protection spell, but it is surrounding me and the doctor. And it's like, let them see what they are supposed to see. Mm Because, you know, here's the thing. We can't stop people from dying or getting ill or anything like that. But could something be clouding the doctor's mind, Could covering their eyes? Could there be like negative forces around? I want everything to be clear so the doctor can see what they are meant to see. So they can tell me what they are meant to tell me in this. Um, and to me, that's a spell with a lowercase s, because even though I have words that I say, and I'm doing them in my head, obviously the doctor's not hearing me say these things. Um, you know, I'm not like, like phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not like in my house, full circle, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that, but I, I do think that a lot of it for me came from casting these circles and and feeling that I could 
focus more. You know, my mom doesn't do any of that. So for her and the way she taught me things, and I think this is one of the reasons I was drawn to Wicca was because I felt I needed more. I needed more more visuals, more tactile. Mm-hmm. I need to touch things, look at them. I, then I can focus. And my mom is just really good at just focusing. She just focuses and like, that's it. It's done. Um, I feel like I've gotten better over the years, but I feel like I needed that. I needed that traditional spell design yeah. to get me to the next level. Structure. structure. Something that you could like work <clears throat> off of. Yeah, structure Do you sure. have... Um, a favorite spell that you've ever done that you're well, willing to share? Um, I, my favorite spell was one. Yeah. Okay. So I did a candle. I carved a candle. I dressed a candle for someone who I worked with and he wanted a different job. He just wanted to like move on and do something. And I made this candle and it was, I don't know. It was a long time ago. And, you know, you do a spell, and I did it with all my heart, but I was like, I hope it works. Mm -hmm. I think it was one of the first candles that I ever gave somebody for somebody else, a first spell that I did for somebody else. So I was like, okay, let's see if it works. And he was burning it every night, and he came into work, and he said to me, okay, something weird happened with the candle. He goes, the flame shot up and then went out. I said, well, the spell is done. And I was like, damn. The next day, he got a job offer. Then, so he was promoted, and then before you know it, like, the same week, he said to me, they're looking for somebody in marketing. He's like, go for it. He goes, because you need to do this. And that's when I became a writer. Um, And I always tell people, you know, what you do comes back to you threefold, but only if your intention is pure. Like, if I did this candle with the intention of, I hope I get a job, it just would have been nothing. Mm -hmm. I did it for him. I really wanted him to be happy and for him to do what he... Um, wanted to do and it worked out and I just remember thinking damn like when it works yeah and it comes back to you threefold as well like I got into a really nice spot so I think that's the first one that I felt really successful with you know because um, it's one thing to do spells for, for you you know for yourself and whatnot it's another thing to give it to someone and go oh god like you know I hope it doesn't I hope nothing bad happens really is what I was yeah. thinking I hope like nothing bad happens to this guy because I really tried so that would be probably the first spell that I remember. How about you? So I think my favorite spell that I've ever done is actually a spell that didn't work. Um, I did this. I committed so hard. My sister really wanted to move out of like working in the city. She's a teacher. And so I lit a bunch of candles. I petitioned um, the goddess that I was working with at the time. I did like... I put all of my energy into working this for my sister, and I think it did the opposite. I think it actively made, it like made her invisible in the application process, and um, and it turned out that it was not the district that she should have been in, and that she got a job in another district that was much more you know, she was working in special ed. It was much more her speed, much more what she wanted to do. And she was she was still able to move from where she was into a new, closer job. But I had, like, narrowed the focus too much. Mm, I was just going to say that. So I did, I did this whole thing. I was so proud of it. And then it didn't work. And I was like, what the frick? What is this? But in reality, it was just a moment where I was like, you have to let the universe do the work for you. 
Like, I, you can't come into it and just be like, it has to be this outcome. Right. And I, I was going to say, I don't think that the spell didn't work. I think it definitely worked to get her where she needed to be. Yeah. But you're right. That is like a love spell. That is forcing, you know, a person to love somebody else or to be attracted to somebody else. You are forcing or trying to force the will of the people behind this district to hire your sister. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that it didn't, didn't and I work, was like, but in I a was- way it did. I tried to be very, like, reasonable about it. So I didn't, I remember, like, not wording the spell, like, you will get hired, but, like, you will be seen kind of in a similar way for what you are. Your your skills will be on display. You will be noticed. And it did the complete opposite in that one specific context. But in reality, I think not being noticed was the thing that allowed her to be noticed in this other interview. So it was like, I... Right. It, it worked, but in this very, like, down another road kind of way. That's cool. Yeah, it was, it was a very, very interesting experience when it happened. But in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, that's my favorite one. You know, it's funny because I have another favorite that's, a, a, so that's a, that, the one I described was a uppercase S. My lowercase S is anytime I get something like a piece of jewelry or a new working tool and mm-hmm. I consecrate it. That's probably my favorite thing to do. I love getting something new and being able to go, oh my God, you know, because then I go before my gods and everything and I do this whole, I have this whole ritual that I do. Yeah. So that's probably my second favorite, lowercase s spell. So now we're going to like enter into the real serious questions. Okay. I thought they, they were serious. I didn't think those others those were like were fun. Like int- these, these I think involve a little bit more thought. Okay, here we go. So what does spell design mean to you? Um, It is, I think we already said it kind of, it's a way to focus my energy. It is a way to also harness my creative side. You know, I don't, at this point, if I have a spell for something new, or even if it's something I've done before, I know that I have stuff in my book of shadows but I almost would rather treat every single request if somebody's asking me for something or if I'm doing it to help somebody or if I'm doing it for myself, I almost like treat, treating each separate time as something new. And instead of mm-hmm. always saying, okay, let me pull out a candle because it's this kind of spell, I go, what could this, what could I use? What would be really good for this? And I think that's, what I love about spell design is I don't just go back to the same old, same old. So for me, spell design Mm -hmm. is allowing my creativity to bring forth something that I can use to manifest what I need. I treat spell design like the scientific method. Mm -hmm. It's very much like what is the outcome that I'm trying to create what tools or methods would be the most effective to create that outcome, Um, observing sort of each step and and reflecting on it to make sure that it's doing the thing that I want it to do, Um, you know, the research aspect of it. For me, it's very much this sort of like, okay, one, two, three, step-by-step kind of process. Um, I think that came from when... I kind of started 
doing all of the the pagan, all of the the magic stuff mm-hmm. is that was the community that I was really a part of, and they had this emphasis on being able to write your own spells, being able to write your own spells. And so we had this sort of like back and forth of like doing each other's spells or like critiquing each other's spells. So there was always an aspect of like needing to be able to demonstrate the step-by-step process. What do you suggest as the first step for somebody who's trying to get into spell design? Don't. (laughs) No, The first, I was like, oh, damn, all right. The first step. Well, I mean, here's my question. Is this person a witch? I mean, is this just somebody coming up to me and saying, hey, I want to do spells? What's the first step? Do you know what I mean? Um, see, like, on the one hand, I want to say yes. Both. Both. Okay. Now I hate you because I should have asked that question because now it's both. Okay. Um, yep. Okay, because if, if they're a witch, so here's the thing. Spell design is about, or spells are about energy, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a witch already, even if you're just beginning, you're starting to work with energy. So you have a concept of what energy is, where it comes from, how we fit, what our role is in this this idea of energy and, and the earth and everything. Okay. So if you're a witch already and you want to start with spell design, I guess my question would be to them, when you cast a circle, what are you casting? In other words, are you working with certain gods? Are you working with the elements? I don't work with elementals. I don't mess with elementals, but I do work with the Mm -hmm. elements. Um, What can you, if you're comfortable working with them and you're comfortable working with energy, um, then the next step would be, what are you drawn to? Because I've seen witches that like to work solely with their their divination tools, right? They can do mm-hmm. spells just by casting something with their tarot cards or even Lenormand cards. I've done that with Lenormand. I've done spells putting things together with Lenormand cards. Mm-hmm. So what do you feel comfortable with? What are you drawn to? Um, and explore that when you start writing something. And I think that when you're beginning, you should start writing something, right? The spell should have should have lyrics. It shouldn't just be the music, mm-hmm. right? If your tools are the music, then it needs to have lyrics. So I would focus on the lyrics, focus on intent, and focus on this idea of not changing anybody's will um, and who could it possibly harm, right? Spells should, especially in the beginning, should not go into, you shouldn't go into one immediately, okay? Because even if you're like, oh my God, someone's ill, I have to do a healing spell, and you've never done it before, be careful because there could be like, you know, um, spill out. Mm-hmm. There could be something that could you could cause without realizing it. So that's what I would tell, I think, a beginning witch. Somebody who is not a witch and says, oh, I'm really interested in spell design. My question would be, why? And then I would want to know, do you work with energy? If they say, I don't know what mm-hmm. that is, then my suggestion would be, maybe you don't. Um, I think that's that's a problem that we have in the society. I know we've talked about it in other podcasts, this idea that you can package something and give it to people. Mm-hmm. Now there are stores that sell that. I think I would probably recommend they do that. Then go into one of the stores in your neighborhood and buy a pre-made spell because yeah. the last thing that I think people should be doing is playing with things. 
you know, because I read somewhere yeah. that if I pray to name a goddess here or God here, that I can get, whoa, so you're just going to do that. You're going to use this person like, you know, like it's McDonald's. I'm going to mm-hmm. go in and get a happy meal. You know what? Your meal's not going to be that happy. So I think that <laughs> you really need to talk to people. And I don't want to tell people not to be witches or not to do spells, but why are you doing, why are you even messing with things? Like, you know, you've got to take things seriously. So a beginning yeah. witch, that's what I would say. Somebody who's not a witch, I really need to know why are you doing this? Now, if there's somebody who don't doesn't consider themselves a witch, but they have worked with energy, and I know people like that, and they are very spiritual, then I, I want to tell them the same thing I tell a beginning witch. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you comfortable with? What do you want to do? Um, what do you want to do the spell for? I think my first step, no matter what, no matter who I'm talking to, is um, correspondences. And I think that if you are just like a random person who I've never met who's like, oh my god, how do you do spell design? Well, I'm going to tell you, you should figure out what things mean to you. Right? What, what do these things mean to you? What does you know, a candle mean? What do the colors mean? Um, I might talk about it more in depth. <laughs> with somebody who like I know to be very spiritual or to be a witch in whatever capacity. But um, I think that one of the things that was the most important for me in my development was not assuming that I knew what every sort of magical tool or ingredient meant because I was reading it in a book or I was finding it on a, a resource list. Um, do I think that you should research these things? Yes, because historical associations exist for a reason. But you should also t- take the time with these things and, and figure out, okay, well, how do I feel about it? Because, <laughs> so yesterday I took my tomato plants to my mother's house because they were not thriving in my apartment. Aww. And I was like, I want tomatoes, so I might can leave them in my mom's backyard. But as I was transporting this tomato plant and I was smelling the smell that tomato leaves have, I realized that my correspondence for tomatoes is like comfort, joy, Mm. the home. So now I can use tomatoes in spells in kitchen witchery and know that I'm going to associate that with a specific type of energy that I can then use in that working. Absolutely. And I think that I think that correspondences give you the foundation to be able to build whatever kind of spell you want. And whether you're doing that in sort of the traditional way or if you're like picking up on a kind of folk magic vibe and you're like, you know what, I want to design spells because my mom throws salt over her shoulder and I feel like that's the same vibe. I, th- I don't think you can do it unless you know what you feel about the things you're working with. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's awesome. I agree. And I think, I think it's something that like gets bypassed a little bit nowadays because it was so time consuming. Like I remember being young um, and having a book and writing down like basil, historical aspects of basil, personal aspects of basil. Like it was, it was a hassle and a half. And I think that it's not, I mean, one, I think the witch community like doesn't like to discuss UPG, unverified personal gnosis, a lot. Um, I think it's kind of looked down on, which I understand because 
sometimes people UPG in a way that I think is a little bit like self-serving, but we don't like to talk about UPG and we're, we're, we're becoming more of a consumption-based community. It's more about like, okay, well, I can buy a spell book or I can do this and, and not taking that time at the beginning to figure out like, what do you, what do you feel? How do you relate? I also think though that when you say something like a certain um, herb is good for blank, that there's years and years of people associating this with that. Yeah. So I wouldn't negate that. I wouldn't say like, okay, so um, I shouldn't look up what this is associated with. But I agree with you in that. You see, here's the thing. You planted the tomato. You want to see it grow. You are going to take care of this tomato. And you took the time to think about what it means to you. It's not like you went to the supermarket, bought tomatoes and went, oh, you know what tomatoes mean to me? You, know, you took some time. And I think the fact that you planted, you chose to plant it. When you are drawn to certain things for your garden, it comes from somewhere. And you took the time to think about where it came from. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. So um, I think people need to to take that into consideration. How much time are you putting into it? You know, not just yeah. randomly going through your kitchen and going, you, you mean this. You, you mean that. Like, that's not really taking the time to the proper respect that these items need. And even with the historical aspects, you know, when I fully committed to being Hellenic, I went back to a lot of my herbs and looked at, okay, what was the Hellenic context of these herbs? So it's about, I do definitely think like, do your research, look at what the the historical aspects of, of whatever you're working with is, but also context, yeah. you know, color associations mean different things. If you are, you know, a person of Asian descent versus if you're a person whose ancestors are from Europe. Right. So if you just go with what you're told and don't take the time to really look into, okay, well, what does this mean to me? I think that it takes away from your ability to craft a spell further on. Yeah. Do you have a formula for spell writing? No. Um... Sometimes I start with the words. Sometimes I start with what do I have? You know, what am I drawn to for this spell, for this particular mm -hmm. um, intention? And then I'll write. Sometimes I'm like, I want to cast a circle. Sometimes I don't. So it's mm -hmm. really how I feel about the spell at a particular time. The only thing that's a must for me, well, not a must. I mean, obviously, if you have to do something on the fly, you have to do something on the fly. But if I can, it's always done in my office, which is, for me, my sacred space. It's also where I do mundane work. Mm -hmm. I also do, you know, lesson planning here and whatnot. But this space for me is sacred. I, you know, people can, well, you know, I don't like really like people in my house because I feel like my mm -hmm. house is my sanctuary. <laughs> um, yes. But my office is really my sacred space. Like, when my husband comes in here, which is very few and far between, he knows he stands at the door and is like, hey... I have That's issues cute. with people coming into this room. Like this room for me is very much sealed tight. Um, I mean, obviously, Chango comes and goes however he wants because he's king. Well, yeah. yeah, my little guy who's actually not in the room today. I've cast him out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if I can't hear because I feel like in this room, I can get into the state of mind that I need to be in fast and then 
where am I being drawn to? I kind of let my feelings and my instincts just like take over and and then I do the spell. I also don't really have a formula. I'm thinking about it. Like I'm just staring off into the middle distance like thinking about it. I um I approach spell design in the same way every time, but I don't have a specific way that spells have to be done. Right. So like my formula is about my thought process. It's not about like the actual writing down of the spell or like it has to have these components or I agree. Like it depends on the vibes <laughs> basically like. Now I will tell you this when it comes to candle work, there's a very mm-hmm. specific way that I do it. So that's not okay. going to change. So if I have decided that the best way to do this is like, getting a seven-day pull-out candle, well, then there are going to be steps and I'm going to go about this in a very specific way. Okay. But that's after I've decided that. And then I will probably write something before I do the candle so that I can say it as I am dressing the candle. So I think that's the only time. If I'm doing that and I don't do that as often, um, that's when I'm going to do it. And well, that I was going to say, that goes into sigils as well, because if I'm going to carve a sigil onto a candle, am I going to use a tried and true sigil? Am I going to use a tried and true sigil and then create something as well to give it an extra whatever for the person that I'm carving mm-hmm. it for? Um, that's totally possible. And I, I'm going to say, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't do them as often, but yeah, that's it. Do percentage wise. What amount of your spells require words? I don't think that spells require words. 100% of my spells require words because I am that person. Got it. You know, um, I'm trying to word witch. I'm trying, yeah, I'm a word witch. I'm trying to think of this as a spell that I don't use necessarily have anything for. And, you know, they don't always rhyme. Um, I can think of a couple that I have that don't rhyme, but I know what it is I want to say in what order I want to say them. Um, but for me, it helps me to focus, period. It's just mm-hmm. my mind will go all over the place. I have a really hard time with that, um, especially when I first started to meditate. And I know sometimes I meditate and I go, well, that was just time I'm never going to get back. My mind was everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, uh-huh. so it, for a spell, I don't need for the spell to go awry, you know. So if I'm going to take the time to do a spell, then that's going to get me to focus. I'm going to be saying these words and these words are going to ground me. They're going to ground me to the spell that I'm working on. How about you? I think most of my spells don't involve words, but they do involve some kind of thing being lit on fire. Um, Because I, in in the way that you use your words to kind of focus you, Mm -hmm. fire is the thing that I am really good at like focusing on. And so even if a spell doesn't really need to be lit on fire, I'm probably going to light it on fire because it allows me to kind of get into that headspace. I don't do a lot of, like, spells where I'm saying things. I do spells where, like, sometimes I'll write stuff down and then burn the stuff that I write down because of who I am as a person. (laughs) But I don't do a lot of spells that, like, require me to say things. Okay. And I think I actually have one more question. Okay. Oh, ooh, this is the one that I'm the most excited about. Do you use pre-made spell books? 
In the beginning, yes. In the beginning, I would look at what people wrote. But, you know, it's funny because just like teaching, when I first started teaching, I would look at other people's lessons and I always said, um, I, I like where this is going, but it's not yeah. me. So I did try in the beginning to do pre-made lessons, things from books, and it didn't feel like I was doing anything. It felt like I was reciting a bunch of words or just doing whatever. However, I do feel that it gave me a strong basis to understand what needs to be in a spell. So I would never poo-poo somebody starting with pre-made spells or getting a book of spells. But if you never take the leap into creating your own, then what have you really gotten mm -hmm. from these books, right? I think these books are there for a reason, to get you to understand. I think people should really annotate these yeah. spell books and and break it down. Like, is there a formula? I'm not saying that these these spells or these witches are formulaic, but are you seeing a pattern? Are you seeing a repeated, like, what is the care that's going into the first part of the spell, the second part mm -hmm. of the spell? Are you seeing some sort of pattern so that you can figure out what was going on in the mind of that witch? Now, you might see it and go, oh, I get it. They were doing this, this, and this, and go, yeah, that's not me. That's yeah. good. If that spell book, after a while, does not work for you, they've done their job, right? Those spells work for that witch, the witch that wrote it. But I don't think that these books are written solely for you to take them, do the spells, and go, okay, that's great. Now I'm going to copy it into my Book of Shadows. I did a spell. No, I think you have to really make spells your own. Now, that being said, I have to kind of backtrack almost and say the opposite, mm -hmm. right? If you are following a specific tradition, okay, I'm not saying you can't ever change that tradition, but there are reasons there are things in, done a certain yeah. way. For example, dressing candles, right? Um, if you are practicing a particular tradition, you've got to follow yeah. that. If it doesn't vibe with you and you want to change it, ask yourself what isn't vibing. Maybe just doing something a certain way isn't vibing with you. Maybe that tradition isn't vibing with you. Maybe it's not meant yeah. to vibe with you. Right, and that goes back to what we were talking about in an earlier podcast about appropriation and you know what should witches take and not take. So, you know, again, while I feel that people can start out a certain way and then maybe change, I think that they also have to keep in mind what it is that they're following and why. Do you have a favorite spell book? No, because I really don't use them. Fair. I mean, when I was younger. I'm going to say Buckland. I think there was a lot of mm -hmm. Buckland. Um, and probably started with Big Blue. I can't remember other books um, necessarily that I used, but when I think about spell design, I'm probably going to go, they're probably Buckland books, to be honest with you. But then I also got things from witches um, that weren't even published. They were just like photocopied mm -hmm. or, you know, they did it themselves. And I'm not going to say self-publishing because self-publishing now books look like books. Back then, it literally looked like somebody photocopied a bunch of things and put them together and they were like, you know, selling them or whatever. So I remember going into shops and buying things mm -hmm. like that and going, oh, wow, you know, and talking to people and sometimes even lucky enough to talk to the witch that put it together and go, well, what was this? Or And they would explain it to me. And those books, those books I will go back to if I'm doing something mm -hmm. new. And I will look at stuff and I will see how they did it. Like if I have an idea and I'll go, oh, okay, let me see. So I guess I shouldn't say I don't go back to books, but it's more of those Xeroxed photocopy zines, you know, zines that from 
a long time ago that I may go back to because, um, and it's funny because a lot of people are surprised sometimes when I tell them I have something. I'm like, how did you get a hold of that? And I'm like, it was a different time. The 90s were different. Yes. That's all I can say. <laughs> you know, the 90s were different in that there was a lot of, oh my God, you know, there are people coming in thinking that it's a fad. And then there was also a lot of people putting out some really amazing mm-hmm. information. And if you were lucky, you got your hands on it. And I was lucky enough to get my hands on a lot of good stuff. So um, I'm going to say zines for sure that I still have that are, you know, crinkly and whatever, but I love them. I think that the value of the spell books is exactly as you said, that it's about inspiring you to, you know, take a look at a spell and be like, how can I make this mine? Um, and I, I'm thinking like really about like when you go into Barnes and Noble and you find those like hundred, a uh, book of a hundred spells or like spell a day kind of things. It They're good to have because they inspire you. They give you the, the little spark to be like, I can make this my own. If you do not have the opportunity to have a community of like-minded pagan people, I think spell books are great. If you have the opportunity to have a group of like-minded pagan people, I don't think you need them. Because I think then you get the resources from the people making the zines or from just talking to each other. And I think that either way is, is good, but you should incorporate into your practice something that gives you inspiration. Something that makes you excited to do magic. Because otherwise then it's just Agreed. like an obligation that you have. And like that doesn't sound fun yeah. at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, now that you said that, I'm thinking if you don't have community, I know a lot of people go yeah. online and they try to find community that way. And that always worries me because you don't know who's behind the wall, behind the curtain, right? You don't know who's there. Um, When it comes to, you know, I've talked about the WDA and I'm not pushing the WDA on people. They don't want to be part of the WDA. But what I like about the fact that they're doing lives is that you get to see these people, right? You get to see me. And just because I tell you they're great doesn't mean that, you know, people are going to think they're great. But I I know the person who runs the WDA. I know how she selects people to come in. Um, I know that she's trying to create a safe space and a sacred space for everybody who wants to be in there. So I would tell people, if you're going to go online for your community, do your research. Yeah. Who are these people? What can you find out about them? You can find out maybe there's somebody, because I know somebody who, you know, has been sued and whatnot, and they're still online. Actually, they're not online anymore. But they were trying to, like, start community, and people would, like, ask me, like, is this person okay? And I'm like, why don't you Mm -hmm. Google them, right? Google these people and find out who they are. Don't just hop into the first group that you see online, whether it's on social media or some other, you know, methods. Um, How long have they been around? How long have they been in the community? What do other people say about them? You know, because with books, you know they've been, you know they've been printed. Somebody has verified maybe this information. Fingers but crossed. Even when you see a book, yeah. But even when you see a book, you know, especially if you're in a bookstore, you've got your phone yeah. with you. Google this person right there on the spot. If you're not sure, wait on the book. Absolutely. And while you're at it, don't go to Barnes and Noble. Try to find a witch <laughs> yes. store or a local bookshop and try to shop there. Um, but if you only have Barnes and Noble, then you go into Barnes and Noble. Um, you know, find out who these yeah. people are before you just jump in and buy their book or start buying their products. Because I think that that's also really important to find out. And if you're not sure and you are 
totally alone, um, you can always ask us. And if we don't have the information, we will find yeah. it for you. You know, we can ask around and we could find out. Um, because that's what it's about. It's about finding your space. And it doesn't have to agree with what we talk about by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, you can absolutely bounce things off of us and we can try to help you, guide you if we can. Yeah. You know, because I think it, it is tough, especially now that we're all home a lot. Um, how do you find this community? Yeah. And, you know, there are good people out there online. I'm not trying to scare people into going online and, you know, joining people, but you should know what you're getting into and, you know, just be wary and be careful and um, don't don't push aside your gut feelings because you're desperate for community. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes you want, you know, to say, oh, God, I fit in here. But then you have that little reservation and you go, I'm going to push that aside. Don't push. Never push that aside. That's your your instincts, your intuition telling you something is up. So you should always trust that as well. I think one I could we could do a whole nother episode on like witchcraft online. But the the transition from sort of a a forum based Internet where you would go to a website and there would basically be like a, a chat function into what is now this very social media focused internet leaves us Mm -hmm. with a lot of like cults of personality and that's true that's my biggest worry in witchcraft communities because i think it's something that happens regardless of being online or not like i think that religions have happened because people had a cult of personality around them Right? Wicca probably wouldn't have existed if Gardner hadn't been so Gardner. Right. So I think it was a little bit easier back in the day because a forum was just like people talking about things versus like Instagram. People are showing you these lavish lives, etc., etc. I I want to encourage people like you don't have to be in a coven to have a community. Like Right. I we've talked about how like coven means something different now and I like that and I enjoy that and I love the people who are reaching out to us about our coven but don't feel like you have to join someone else's coven to get access to the information that they have because now you're putting yourself underneath somebody exactly unless you know it's a coven like ours where everybody is absolutely equal and we don't have that but um but you have to know before you try to join it. Right. You have to know what you're in for. And, and and yeah. And I think the only reason that we work is because everybody works separately as well. Yeah. There's not one person in that group that's going to take orders from anybody else or try to do something in a unified way. Correct. Look, we can't even figure out how to get together anymore. It's become yes. such a... We're, for people who don't go out, we're incredibly busy. I think it's hysterical, to be honest with you. Yeah. We're a special group. It's like, what are we going to do? Oh, I can't Mm. that day. What are you doing that day? I scheduled laying on my couch (laughs) for like six hours that day. I'm sorry. I can't can't move that. (laughs) Okay. So like one of the Scorpios got a little upset with me because they were like, oh, so why don't we watch through Zoom? Why don't we watch like this movie on Saturday? And I'm like, listen, I don't have time on Saturdays. I said, you don't understand. I said, so... Um, go for my drive, my scheduled drive on Saturday morning. Then in the afternoon, I do this online auction mm-hmm. thing. 
that I like to watch. I never, I haven't bought anything yet. I haven't seen anything I yeah. really want. I keep waiting for like the thing. So, but I love it. I just love seeing all the things, all the pieces they have because I'm starting to um, collect oddities. So for me, it's really exciting to be able to see what's out there and you know what I could possibly want to add to my collection and whatnot. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I was like, okay. And then I have like a Zoom like mm-hmm. drinks with other people. And, and she was like, what? I was like, yeah, Saturday's busy. Like, I, Saturday's the day that I socialize. I, I, I don't what. Yeah. So like we have to watch a movie another day. And she was just like, you can't like, d- no, I can't change it. Why does it have to be Saturday for you? I was like, what are you doing? Time so, isn't real. Saturday yeah. is every day now. <laughs> I know. I know. Saturday is every day. Um, that is all of my questions on spell design. Cool. This was really cool. I didn't know what you were going to, when you first mentioned it, because I did honestly forget what we were on talking brand. about. I know you told me, I, I ask you all the time. You know what I realized? Me asking you what's on, what we're going to talk about next sometimes is like when you would ask me about the different Wiccan holidays. It's the same thing. I just no, can't it's different it in my because head. Because I learned the Wiccan holidays. Oh, burn. Okay. I see how it is. Wow. Let's tell you about something else. There is something yes. I want to talk about. So we are going to be on, do you call on? We're going to be a part of, part of the Full Moon Magical Night Market by Moon Serpent and Bone Oddities and Curiosities. Um, we love this yeah, we market. When it, was, when it was live, when it was in person, it really is something the Lower Hudson Valley needed. Yeah. It is amazing. It, I, I don't know. We just had the, we had so much fun. And that's hard to get every, all of us to agree that yes. this was great. And we all liked it, even though we all were kind of like in our, doing our own thing. Like we were all well, kind I of like separated. Well, I think that's why we liked it. Because it was something that, like, not only was it in the Lower Hudson Valley, but it hit all of the buttons for a pretty good variety of people, just from our perspective, not even including all of the people that were there also enjoying themselves like it, yeah. it really hit so many different niches and it was really exciting to be able to get that and not have to go to new york city to do it <laughs> and you know new york city doesn't have some of the things especially if you're a yeah. serious witch right um they had bone yeah. readers there i mean where do you go when you see bone Nowhere. readers? i mean i've gone to different oddities things i've never seen a bone reader okay um so anyway so this is put together and by the same people who bring you otherworldly waxes, so we love them as well. And they have asked us to be a part of it. So it's a virtual market. It's on September 5th from 6 to midnight. And I guess we can put the information online. Yeah, we'll definitely. It's on our Instagram already. We'll continue to post about it um, because we are super excited. I will probably be broke by the time midnight rolls around. But you can check it out at uh, moonserpentandbone.com. So moonserpentandbone.com. You can check out the information. Um, I don't know. I think this is really fun. I did one online market. I just went on to shop. And yeah, you don't have the, you know, hey, how are you talking to the vendors and whatnot. Um, You know, I think I specifically miss speaking to the wonderful ladies at Mm -hmm. Blood Milk because one, I love their jewelry. Two, it's just fun to talk to them, just like burial yeah. ground. I totally miss Bill and Jamie. Like you have no idea, like just being able to talk to them. They're just great people. So yeah, I did this virtual market shopping and you know, talking to the vendors. But the fact that at this market, they're going to have people, even if it's a video, like we're going to yeah. be on video, 
that's still that's cool. That's really different. I don't know how they're planning on doing that, or how they're going to actually put it all together. But I'm psyched. I'm really excited to not only participate in it, but to also shop. Let's do a little bit of shopping here, you know. And I think um, yeah. it's kind of relevant to today's topic because the the tools that we're going to give you in our video are related to ways that you could design specific spells. Absolutely. So dun, 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 a little bit of a so cliffhanger excited. there about how this continues onto the online market, but it does, it is going to continue. So, and also um, otherworldly waxes and whatever is back online. So if people want to order stuff, she's back, she's been back for a while and, and that's it. So when is this, are we going to have another podcast? I'm terrible at I'm I trying to see. I'm going to talk about this some no more. Idea. Yes, we will. Right before. So the week right before the market. We will discuss it we'll as well. We'll be on, but we'll discuss it as well. But please take a look at Moon Serpent and Bone and just see, because she's going to have more information on there as time goes by, so you get to see what vendors are going to be there. So I think that's really cool. So that's it. And next time with a book, we're back to our regularly scheduled yes, program, which I'm very excited about because... Uh, summer reading so we're gonna go back to buckland talk about spell design he designed a whole branch he's not the only one because we've talked about that as well but he designed a whole different branch of wicca so considering that he came out with big blue that so many witches have used it's kind of interesting for him to now say you know what and here's another way mm -hmm. you could do wicca so we're going to be talking about that in the next uh next podcast Thank you so much for listening to us, for giving us this platform, this opportunity. We are always so grateful to hear from you. Um, you can reach out through our DMs at WitchSpaceCo or through our email, WitchSpaceCo at gmail.com. Thank you to Sean McShane for our intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moon, you're following us. <laughs>